It's currently 5.10 in the morning. I'm in Beijing, China. My name is Kat Turner, and I'm a private chef. Being a private chef means you get to go to all sorts of amazing, exciting places. I've been to Moscow, Tokyo like five times, Korea, Shanghai, Beijing, South America, Iceland. I mean, you name it, I've been there. You know, I've seen a lot of amazing things, but it's become so, so apparent in the eight years that I've been doing this. And I'm just tired of doing things alone. I am in Guangzhou. This is the third city in three days. Yesterday I was in Shanghai. The day before that I was in Beijing. And the city is so weird. It's just... It's like a weird mini Las Vegas that kind of just popped up in the middle of... China. I, and actually, I, I don't even know where I am in China. I don't, I don't think I'm in the middle. I'm pretty sure I'm in the southern part of China because it's hot as fuck out. I mean, this is... I didn't even look at a map. This is very indicative of, of this job, though. It's like... It's so go, go, go. You know, I don't even exactly know where I'm going a lot of times until the day before I get my itinerary. And there's a different sort of a loneliness when you're this many thousands of miles away from anything that you know. You know, this is... China's tough. China's hard in a way that I find other Asian cities have not been. Tokyo... Seoul, I don't know, like they seem like, I don't know, friendlier, less aggressive. I don't really know how to describe it. China, there's just something, there's something impenetrable about the culture that I don't totally get. I mean, not that I get Tokyo or Seoul, but there's something about those cities that I can connect to. And it's been harder for me here. But intriguing in a way that makes me want to come back and learn more. Hello, listeners of The Lonely Hour. This is Julia, and I'm so happy to be back with new episodes. We've got six left in this second season. This story is all about Kat Turner, who is based in L.A., but who you just heard checking in from China. Kat is at a real turning point in her professional life, and as her friend, I've been watching this happen for the past couple years. But now, just at the time when we got her to participate on the show, she seems to be gaining confidence and taking charge of this change she's been toying with making. Terrence Mickey, host of the Memory Motel podcast, talks to her about that, the loneliness of being a private chef and how it doesn't quite fit her out loud and proud nature now from our studio in Brooklyn. 
I've always been very extroverted. I kind of felt like if I wasn't performing, then I wasn't fulfilling some part of my soul. I still feel that way. You know, I'll be the first one to jump on a table and start dancing at a party. I studied acting in college. I did the plays in high school, but I was always kind of categorized as like, well, you're not really like, you're not the ingenue. You're kind of like the weird best friend. Um, I heard a lot in college that, you know, oh, you're like the type of girl that would be in a David Lynch movie. That's a good compliment. Right, which was a fantastic compliment, and it actually ended up coming true. I was actually cast in a David Lynch movie in L.A. From Hollywood, California, where stars make dreams and dreams make stars. You have a new role to play, I hear. Up for a role. No, no. I definitely heard that you have it. Action. And it was kind of this like full circle moment where I was like, okay, finally, you know, somebody gets it. It's funny, I got home from culinary school, like after culinary school, after I got back to LA, my friend emailed me right away. He's a producer and he said, you know, I've got this movie that I think you'd be really great for. I know you just got back from culinary school, but would you want this part? And I took a look at the script and it was this, I mean, just crazy horror film where I end up, you know, I'm this goth girl and I'm, I'm a victim and I'm a total scream queen. And, you know, it's like I get my boobs cut off with a guillotine. It's like completely outrageous. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, of course I'm going to do this role for you. So I had this kind of last hurrah. Um, it felt like a last hurrah to me. Like, okay, I'm going to go shoot this movie up in San Francisco and then I'm actually going to get serious about cooking. So I did that. And that part of you that wants to be kind of visible, like have a stage, where did that part, where did that go when you were cooking? That definitely went away. Um, I think when you're around someone who's got such a big personality and who's a known celebrity, at least for me, like I definitely tried to like stand back and give them the space. You know, not that I would ever like be able to upstage any of the people that I've cooked for or worked for, but I just always wanted to kind of, you know, turn the volume down on myself, I guess. The trade-off of being in the background offstage was feeling part of a creative collective, part of the creative process even. And then I met Billy Corgan from The Smashing Pumpkins. A month later, I was working as his private chef. So it just kind of all fell into place. They were going into recording, and so I offered to move out and cook for them while they're recording and preparing to go on tour. You know, I lived at his house, which was awesome. He has an incredible house with a gorgeous kitchen, and I really got on well with the rest of the band members. So it felt like homey and comfortable. I always told him, I'm like, it's like you, you get the wife without the sex or the divorce. There was like a level of caregiving and, you know, feeding and nurturing and friendship that 
you know, made it a, an easy job to do. This situation with Billy, who is still a friend of Kat's, was a far cry from how things felt with her next client, a major movie star whose schedule took Kat around the world. You know, there were day into night shoots, back into day shoots, you know, so they're filming for like practically three days and you have to be there cooking and making sure that the people that I was servicing are being really cared for. So you're not sleeping, you're not really taking care of yourself in the way that you're used to. So, you know, there's a big transition to learning how to kind of be a part of that crew. The not sleeping was pretty crazy. And, you know, you're like jumping in the car and you're running to Whole Foods and you're trying to get stuff and make it back. And, you know, they might be coming back from set and, you know, you might not be there in time to like make lunch. And it's like lunch needs to be on the table at 2.32 p.m. Exactly. I mean, it was. We were in a tight schedule almost all the time. So you get accustomed to that. It felt almost militaristic, not that I've been in the military, but, you know, it takes on an incredibly structured quality. So my life took on a very structured quality. I couldn't come out and ever publicly say, I work for this person, and I could never do an interview talking about working for that person or some other people that I that I work for just because there is a level of there's such a mainstream obsession with celebrity diets and people that I work for can be extremely private and they don't want us weekly you know publishing like stars they're just like us like look here's so and so eating a you know turkey sandwich so I think it's one of those things where if the media knew who I work for, it would have been one of those like, oh, tell, like, what's the day-to-day like? And what are they eating for breakfast? And, you know, suddenly my life becomes a circus. And so it's kind of like you don't exist because you can't, there's no LinkedIn page where you say I work for XXX. <laughs> like, it's just, mm-hmm. it doesn't, unless I know the detail, I, 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 I don't get, it's like a, it's a non-entity. Right. I, I was invisible, as, as invisible as I could be. Yeah. You know, publicly, for sure. And then you see other people's chefs, like Oprah's chef, you know, and you're like, what the hell? Like, everybody knows who Oprah's chefs have been. Everybody knows who cooks for Obama. And that started to become frustrating for me. And they're working on books together, and, you know, they're getting all this press. And I'm like, shit, man, like, that would be amazing for me because then that is the sort of thing that could secure a future job or a future writing career or future, you know, you could have a restaurant, you could do this, you could do that. But I would never, because it's it's in my contract, like not to talk about it, but also it's like I would never, you know, you don't use this person's name to, to advance yourself. Like you just don't. But, you know, you're on the road for three months and you're away from your home and you're away from your friends and your family and you're working for somebody that you really can't, like, talk about. I felt like I lost a bit of my personality. And plus, I'm, like, running around in, like, gross chef clogs and, like, my jacket and my... You know, I I totally lost my sense of femininity. Like, that was definitely hardcore. I didn't have any time to, like, put on a dress and go out to dinner and do normal things, you know, for big periods of time. And that made me feel like I was I was losing what it felt like to, like, be a, a feminine woman. 
I felt like I had to be like a masculine woman all the time because I was in the kitchen. I was in the kitchen with a bunch of guys at a hotel in Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> and that just like, that became like my theme. It was like I was in Pittsburgh. I was in London. I was in like a little town outside of London. I was in Morocco. You know, I'm in Japan. I'm, I'm in Korea. Like it's always me in the kitchen with a bunch of men. After two and a half years, Kat ended her relationship with this client. It wasn't personal. She liked the team, and she still sometimes helps them out when they need it. But it was time for a change, a change that might put Kat front and center. One of the big reasons why I left full-time working for my last client was because two of my friends and I in L.A. um, came up with this idea for a travel docu-series reality show loosely based on my experiences kind of slingshotting all over the world as a private chef that we were going to pitch, uh, which we did pitch a, a bunch over the course of the last two years, called Cat Turner Was Here, which is based on my Instagram name. I felt like having my own show, but actually getting to be myself, not necessarily having to be an actress Because that's, like, any role I ever had, I was essentially just playing some version of myself. And it always felt right. But I always still wanted to just kind of be myself at the end of the day. So I thought, what better way to do that than to, like, create my own show and host my own show? And we pitched it, and we, I mean, we we had it, you know, at a bunch of different production companies, and it just kept getting so close. And they're like, we love it, we're going to do the show. And then something would fall apart. So that's my ultimate, ultimate goal still of what I want to do. What does it feel like just to have, going from the experiences you've had where you can't disclose anything mm-hmm. to going from a show that it's Cat Turner was here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what, is that, that's, what does that feel like? Uh, well, I don't know because the show doesn't exist yet, but um, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I really want to find out. You know, it's one of those things, though, where it's like a Pandora's box, where it's like, okay, if you do get the show, and suddenly, you know, you are a public personality, you can't put that, you can't necessarily, like, put that back in the box. But I'm more than happy and willing to find out what that's like. It feels right, like, when I think about it. You know, we shot some really fun footage, and it looks great, and it's the sort of thing where, like, we have a... We have a, a short reel. And my friends are amazing. They're like, incredibly talented that like put it together and did the editing and the writing on it and everything. And it's like, I've watched it like, a, you know, probably like a 200 times. And every time it's on, I'm like, okay, I don't look like a total idiot. Like I actually look pretty cool. And I look like I could like carry my own weight here. So it f- feels good. <laughs> what do you think it will feel like to go back to those places as like you... <laughs> And like announcing yourself as you, as opposed to like being there, it's still a great time, but like under the auspices of protecting somebody Mm -hmm. else. You know, you go to these places and you're there for, you know, three weeks, a month, six months. You know, I've got a favorite local restaurant that I end up going to again and again. And, you know, you meet the people there and, you know, people give you their stories. And, and that's kind of, really the seat of the inspiration for the whole thing was like, you know, I'm getting these stories and I'm learning these things and I'm experiencing these different cultures, but I can't do what I want to do with it 
while I'm here on this other job. And and it was like, I have to come back. I have to come back and like figure out a way to like do this again, but on my own terms. Is there any one person in particular that you're kind of dying to go back to? I would like to go back to Morocco, actually, if you're in a restaurant that's like doing French food, it's like the men are cooking it. But then like in a separate kitchen will be like their traditional Moroccan food. And it's pretty much all women. There was one girl, she didn't speak any English, and every time she'd see me like totally stressing out, she would run over and tap me on the shoulder, and I'd turn around and she'd like throw like a tiny little like piece of candy or chocolate or like something into my mouth and like, you know, delicious, like this incredible little piece of like, you know, halva or something. And, and, and she'd laugh, you know, and I'd laugh and it would break this intense stress and she'd like kind of look at me like, ah, okay, you're good. And, and then she'd walk away. So there were, there were a lot of little experiences like that. So, you know, I just, I want to go back and I want to get to know those women more. I guess in an environment that you're working in, those little moments mean so much. It made me cry every time. I mean, it, it was like this, it was an act, it was such an act of like sweetness and, and a humor and, and kindness. And this, you know, girl didn't know me at all and we, we couldn't really communicate um, past like hand gestures and like my extremely broken French. And, but she knew exactly what to do. She knew exactly what to do feed me something like sweet and make me laugh and it was one of the kindest things that I think I've ever experienced in a kitchen. That's the kind of experience that made Kat want to host a show. She wants to bring those experiences to more people and she's on her way. Everyone follow Kat Turner was here on Instagram to see how it all shakes out. I know that I will. Otherwise, do you have strong thoughts about this episode? Do you have questions for Kat? You can email me at lonelyhourpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Lonely Podcast, or you can find me on the Lonely Hours Facebook page. And sign up for our newsletter at thelonelyhour.com, and you'll be the first to know when the next episode drops. Until then, enjoy yourself. The Listening Booth. Certainly make me think twice. There's a story inside.